As you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, my dad said, be sure to tell you all hello. So, hello <laughs> from my dad. He's 81 and a half now, and COVID took three weeks of his life. It took three weeks of his life, and uh, we could tell he was feeling better because he got up one day and told my mom, says, get rid of those oxygen tanks. My mom says, they're full. Why don't we just go ahead and use them? I don't like them in my house. Get rid of them. She calls me. She says, what do we do? I says, oh, no, he's feeling better. <laughs> he's doing well, though. And uh, I'll tell you something. I, you all know my dad, but every time he steps in the pulpit, it's like my dad loses 10 years. He's... 81, but he just, he, he, he walks with a cane, he's, you know, kind of crooked now and everything else. When he stands in the pulpit, man, he straightens up. Amen. I like to see, I just like to see that. Amen. You know, and the Lord still blessed him in that area. Well, I don't know if you had COVID. I was stuck at home for a while. And I said afterwards, I said, now I understand why the dogs chew on furniture. <laughs> so with our stimulus money, we bought new furniture. But, uh... <laughs> I do want to be an encouragement today, and I realize that, uh, and, and, and especially in the hills of that great message that Brother Sparks preached, that uh, we're, guys, this is an oasis. We're, we're, we live in a wilderness, do we not? And this is an oasis. Aren't you glad to be here? Aren't you glad to be in this oasis? We need a time to be fresh, but the problem is, is we're going to leave here soon, aren't we? You know, they just do not have enough food for us to stick around. And so, uh, you know, the idea of us staying would probably uh, just, anyway. So, we're going to have to leave and we're going to have to go out. I'm happy to be here. I enjoy the singing. I enjoy the preaching. And I enjoy conversations. And that sure beats the conversations that are being had in the world today. George Bernard Shaw once said of a woman, he says she lost the art of conversation, but unfortunately, not the power of her speech. <laughs> and I honestly feel that that's what's happened in politics and, and rhetoric in America today. They've, uh, it, it, when I listen to things, it's, there's no power of speech anymore. It's just conversation. It's, it's all empty. It's all plain. I feel that this whole last year has been like that. Media, health care, political correctness, talk of Trump, talk of Biden, Congress. I just feel there's nothing meaningful in those conversations anymore. 
So I want to try to find something that I think and I will talk with God, and I, I feel that we are experiencing in a broad Christian realm, I believe we're talking about Christianity today. I believe we can all say we understand that. I appreciate the message on swerving because I feel that we as a nation have swerved or have turned from a side in the vein jangling. And I've made a commitment to use the phrase vein jangling more often. That's a pretty cool phrase. But you and I are immersed in this culture, and I'm afraid that this culture does affect us more than what we think and what we realize. On the way down here, I did a very spiritual thing, and uh, we, we stopped at a, a place, a coffee place, and I got a cappuccino. Now, the, the, the coffee, the name of the coffee place was Coma. That all have made me think twice. But we get a cappuccino, and I try to pay cash, and they won't take cash because dirty money. So I put my credit card in, and we get back in the car, and a few minutes later, I get a notice. Thank you for buying at Kona Coffee. If you'll put more in here, we'll give you a free one at your birthday. I mean, I didn't enter anything. I didn't enter my... Social media and the world is more, it's affecting us more than what I think most of us would agree and admit. A reporter once went to, uh, went to the Amish community and said, I, you, you know, I, we're, we're, we want to figure this out. Why aren't you all getting COVID? And the Amish farmer said, well, it's because we don't have TV. Hmm, something there, huh? I think we're going to find that groups or gatherings like this are going to become less and less. There was once upon a time, if you were a missionary, you could just plan your whole year by going to conference, to conference, to conference, to missions, to thing, and they were all pretty good. Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. As we heard about, Christianity used to be the flow of American society, but as Brother Sparks pointed out, I think the waters have turned and we are now swimming upstream and the current is getting harder all the time. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's get into the point I want to make today. Hebrews chapter 10, we all know this chapter, and we've all probably preached from the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, as you know, is just a fantastic book. The main point is what you and I have is better. Amen. Uh, that summarizes it up, doesn't it? Yeah. But the main topic of Hebrews chapter 10, and the first half of it, is pretty obvious because it is repeated over and over. It's the word sacrifice. In chapter 10, verse 1, with those sacrifices. In verse 3, those sacrifices. Verse 5, he saith sacrifices. Verse 6, offerings and sacrifices. In verse 8, he said sacrifices. In verse 11, every priest stands and offers oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. I get the idea that sacrifice is the the topic. 
But aren't you glad that this discussion on sacrifice ends in verse 12? When I say it ends, it ends once and for all. It says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins of uh, forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So, and if you'll notice, the word sacrifice is not used anymore in chapter 10. You know why? Because we don't need to talk about the need for sacrifice anymore. We just need to learn to appreciate the sacrifice that has already been made. First part of chapter 10. Now, because of the sacrifice that we get on there, uh, we, we have all these things that come of the sacrifice. But in verse 14, we're going to be perfected because it is the finished work, right? Verse 14. Verse 15, there's a Holy Ghost. And you and I now know that our remissions for sins are there, verse 18. And so in verse 19, we've got all these benefits. You and I get to enter boldly into the throne, do we not? into the presence of God. I work with the police, and I was writing and talking to a policeman here a while back, and he said, well, I'm Catholic. And he said, I don't understand why you all don't believe in priests. I said, whoa, I believe in priests. I said, I confess my sins to a priest. Is that what you do? He goes, well, I, I should. I really don't often enough. I'm not a good Catholic. And we have this discussion. He says, so you believe in priests? He says, you're a Baptist and you believe in priests? I said, I do. I said, I believe in confessing in my priest. I believe that my priest is necessary if I'm able to go to God. I, I believe in priests. You and I are on the same page there. The problem is yours is in a little box through a screen. Mine is on the right hand of God. And he's making intercession for me. I believe in a priest that I'll pick mine over yours any day call that man in a dress that doesn't have any kids father and I, I just don't make sense to me <laughs> anyway so that's that we need to draw nigh with a true heart of full assurance. This, this, this reality should give us the assurance of our faith. In other words, you and I should not live timidly. We should not walk timidly. We have an assurance of our faith because of the sacrifice and because of all the benefits that come because of sacrifice once for all. And verse 22 kind of brings it down. He says, so we are these kind of people now. Now, if I understand the context, the book of Hebrews was written mainly to Hellenistic Jews that while oppression was not really that much yet for Christianity, it was on the horizon. Did you hear what I said? The oppression wasn't that much on Christianity during the day, but it was on the horizon. The Christian persecutions would begin right after this was written. You have the destruction in 70 and the blaming of Rome, uh, burning of Rome on Christians. And you have them starting to bring them in and just slaughtering them left and right. And, and, and these Hellenistic Jews that had become Christians were realizing that this is going to become a problem. We see where this is going, just like I can see where this is going in this country today. And so they had the idea, well, maybe we'll just be identified as Jews. Maybe we won't be identified. We'll be believers quiet, but we'll just be Jews. 
And so the writer tells them that, no, that's done away with. It has been fulfilled. There's no more sacrifices. And this is the way we live now. But by the time you get to verse 23, by the time you get to verse 23, you have the application that I fits why we're doing here today. You and I are living in society, and I don't know about you, but I think I can see it coming down the road, don't you? And you may say, well, there are those that are taking badness off their name. They're compromising. They want to survive through all this. And they don't want, you know, they want to be, as Rose Sparks pointed out, they want to be all agreeable. They want to be warm and cozy and fuzzy. And, and uh, we want to accept you. And we love you. And if Jesus was here, he'd put your picture on his refrigerator. And on and on we go. But that's not what this writer says. To these people, after talking about sacrifice, after talking about the benefits of access, how that you and I need to, uh, verse uh, 22, you need to draw nigh, he comes up in three verses, he comes up with three things that we collectively, now this is not an ecclesiastical book, it's not written to the local church at Hebrew. It's written to these people. And the, the language and the, the images and the theology is pulled all out of the past of Hebrews, Jews. And even the language in these, this verse, these verses, this one sentence, we're going to cover one sentence today, which shouldn't take very long, right? It goes from verse 23 to verse 25. In verse 23... I think the first thing he says to all of them, that even though you and I are living in this day and we see what's coming, here's what we need to do. We, we collectively, I'm, I'm encouraging, this is a cheerleading session, right? Here's what we need to do together. Ready? You need to claim your faith. You need to claim what you believe. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't apologize for what I believe. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of odd. I don't celebrate Good Friday, and I don't have Easter egg rolls in my church. You know? I'm not trying to be ugly about it. I use the version that has all the verses, and I'm not upset about it. You know, I don't accept baptisms by other denominations, and I am greatly questioning baptisms from Baptist churches nowadays. The word hold fast here, as you see this, is, it's one Greek word. It's let us hold fast. The word hold fast, it means to retain them. In fact, the ideal is to hold them down. And it's even with the ideal, if you want a word picture, it's the ideal to hold something so tightly you might even squash it. Isn't that something? You know, I'm going to squash our doctrines. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to sit on them, and they're going to be a part of me. I'm going to nail them down. I'm going to pin them down. I'm going to hold them. I'm going to clutch them. I'm going to squash them if I have to. They're not going to leave me. I will hold fast the faith that was given to me. Yeah. 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 The ideal of doing it without wavering. The word wavering here is the ideal of an incline. Isn't that the way it happens? Oh, we don't all of a sudden one day go, okay, I'm going to be this. No, what we do? I'm going to this area, that area. And we've heard some preaching on that, haven't we? Everything from communion to 
other things. In fact, the ideal of, de- the, of a downward incline, or we would call it a decline, is the idea. In his day, Spurgeon called it the downgrade. Called it the downgrade. He believed that doctrinal decay would cause dire consequences. In fact, his stand on that cost him very dearly. It cost him friendships. It cost him a reputation. Even his own brother-in-law, no, his own brother, even his own brother disowned him over that. We need to be like that. You need to claim your faith. Why do I need to claim my faith so that I can be part of the brethren when I go to Mount Zion? No, you need to claim your faith and you do not need to waver or decline in it because why? The ones that, you know, one that gave us what we believe, he is faithful as he promised he would be. I don't hold it to make you happy. I don't hold it because it's popular. I hold it because I serve a God that is faithful to me. Heavens forbid that I can't be faithful back to him. Hold your faith today. Second thing we find in verse 24. Not only do we hold our faith, you know, this, this isn't a convention rally. Do you all know that? We're not a convention. This isn't, you know, this isn't a fellowship rally, although we're having fellowship. The word in itself is really good, Right? You can tell me what I need to do in my church, and I'll just, never mind. We're we're not having a board discussion unless you spell the word board differently. (laughs) Verse 24, you find the second point. Now, now it's the same sentence. Let's hold fast, but... Here's the second point. We need to consider each other. Amen. And that's why we're here, isn't it? Amen. We need to consider each other. The word, the word consider is the word content with, with the idea of uh, the word naeo, which is, comes from the idea of namas or mind. In other words, it really means to overthink. We need to consider. In other words, we need to think. Let's just put it in there. Let us think about one another. Let you to think about one another. Uh, and I find my dad is really good about this, isn't he, Brother Smith? My dad is very good about this. He'll think about you, and he'll drop you a note, and he'll thank you. He'll write letters. And, you know, I'm his son. I've been, my, I've been, his, I've been his son all my life. <laughs> and we get Christmas presents. He still drops me a thank you note. <laughs> dad, you don't need to. Well. I believe that conferences such as these are more and more going to become more and more the right place to practice this, and we ought to be good at it. We ought to get better at it. One of my saying, we should not. We should give thought about each other. That means that we're not going to come caught up in ourselves. We're going to come thinking about each other. And when we think about each other, we get together, and then what do we do? Look at the rest of the verse. We provoke one another. And you say, okay, we're good at that. We got that part down. This word in your King James Bible is sometimes translated stir up. Right? 
Now, it can be negative because I can stir you up to anger, right? But it can be used as much as the emphasis of its negativity can be translated and flipped over and be used just as much for positive. I could stir you up. I could provoke you to anger. But here's what he's saying. Let's provoke the other direction. Let's provoke that way. Let's stir each other up. And I don't know about you, but I could use some stirring. In fact, he even gives a direction. Let's stir each other up into what? Love and good works. Hey, you come in here, were you down? (laughs) I hope we've stirred you up. I hope that you're going to leave here pumped up. You say, well, it's like a cheerleading session. Okay, that's what it is. It's a pep rally. I don't know what you think, but every football team needs them, and I need it. I need to know there are other people that will claim the faith, just like I claim, and they will come in, and they will consider me in my situation, and may I get the blessing of considering you and stirring you up so that you can do what you're supposed to do. Hmm. Let me give you the last point. Let me give you the last points in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, we apply this to the church a lot. But the word assembling is not the word ecclesia. It's a totally different word. Now, I I don't mind us, because the principle is a good principle, even inside of a church context. So I I don't feel it's a violation there, but this is not an ecclesiastical book. He's not writing to a group of people in the church of Hebrew. He's writing to what? Hebrews in general. And listen, listen, people, is what he's saying. You've got to sacrifice. It's once for all. You have all these benefits now. You don't have to go back and act like a Jew in the Old Testament. You can have it, because here's all the benefits that we have now, living each other. And so, you know what you guys need to do if it's getting, getting rough? If you're looking on the horizon and you see it getting rough, there's a couple things you need to do. You need to claim your faith. You need to consider each other. And you need to get in the practice of comforting each other. In fact, the heart of the word assembling is the word synagogue. The ideal of synagogue, synagogue, the ideal of teaching, the ideal of ministering, the ideal of challenging in thought. It's become the ideal of conversation. We should not forsake the self assembly of ourselves together. And here's really what the concept is in the context, all right? The concept in the context is that what? You're not going to be very healthy as it gets rough if you isolate yourself. You're not going to be very healthy if you become an isolationist. I don't need anybody. Well, good for you. You're all that, aren't you? Now, it does say that, well, there are some that have, doesn't it? As the manner of some is, as the manner of some is, there are those. But, uh, you know, it's, we don't come here just to sell CDs or books. or We come here because I hope we are trying to comfort each other and stir each other up because it's the manner, but we should also be ready exhorting one another. This is the same word that Jesus used in describing the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Someone that comes and walks beside you. Do you hear what I'm saying here? 
This ought to be a place where you should be able to grab somebody and say, hey, I need, I need you to walk a little ways with me. Right. Amen. Amen. I, I, I need a, I need a, it's the paraclete. Clitavia, the ideal of walking, para, beside, walking beside. It's the idea. So don't forsake this assembling yourself together because you know why? There is where you're going to find people that can walk somewhere with you. I think we need that. Amen. Now we get to the end of this sentence because this sentence runs verse 23, 24, and verse 25. And the conclusion of these three ideas that you need to claim your faith that you need to consider each other, think about each other, that you need to walk in comfort by, with each other. This has got a context, or if you will, an emphasis. This is like the exclamation at the, at the end of it. Why do I need to do these sort of things? Well, you need to do it the much more when, as you see the day approaching. In other words, conferences like this, are more vital than they've ever been. Amen. For you and I to be able to sit at a table and for you and I to be able to share and for, for you to be able to stir me up or say, hey, give me a call. We'll, we'll do this and we'll walk through this. For, for, me, for me to hear people say, hey, this is what the Lord's Supper is and this is what this is. You know, I need to claim that faith. I need to know that there are men that will walk with me, that will think about me, that will hold the same faith that I do. And I need it with more than ever I've needed it. I got pretty ugly last year, did you? I had one of the men in my church down, down tell me, he says, well, the optics, here's, here's his phrase, the optics of the way you're handling yourself doesn't look good. I said, well, I don't understand. I came right back at him. I don't understand why you say that about me. I'm having a hard time understanding why you're not getting upset about stuff. And then later I realized, oh, I made his point. <laughs> That's why you need to be here, and that's why we need each other, much more so as we see the day approaching. You know, the, I, the, the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the, the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is used five times in the Gospels. And as you see the day approaching, the day approaching, you see that phrase? It is translated in the Gospels as the kingdom of heaven is at hand, same phrase. Guess what? The time is at hand. It's approaching, and it is at hand. Just like these Jews that are looking and saying, oh, uh, we see what's coming. We don't like it. Maybe we'll just take a little compromise. We'll take Christian off our title, and we'll just be Jews, and we'll be secret believers. No, you can't. That sacrifice was too much. Your benefits are too great. I understand it can be tough. So, hey, man, do not, do not forsake yourselves assembling together. Claim your faith. Consider each other and comfort each other. We need to do exactly what it says because in a way, we're in the same place they were. That's the book at the end of Hebrews. I believe that the stage is being set, don't you? If I could step back out, I believe the stage is being set. 
There's, there's, a, there's a showdown coming on. Romans chapter 1 is being stepped out right before our eyes. Already mentioned that. I believe COVID regulations have just been a dress rehearsal for government control. If you've heard the news today, and I don't know why you will because you want to be spiritual, but if you heard the news today, you know that Biden is thinking about rescinding all of Iran's, you say, well, regulations. You say, well, what does that affect? Uh, why don't you ask Israel what that affects? The stage is being set, folks. The day is approaching. The things that we see and we hear, I believe, are raising a stink in the nostrils of God. And you know what the ugliest part of Romans chapter 1 is? You know, I've always believed that pagans live like pagans. I believe unsaved people live like unsaved people. The ugliest verse in Romans chapter 1 is the last verse. Because it says, and listen, it says those Christians or those that claim to be Christians, they know the judgment of God, but they commit such things that are worthy of death. They not only do those things, but they take pleasure in them. So in the midst of it all, here we are. We had time, I would say, men, you need to stand up and you need to look at each other. You need to encourage each other to hold the faith. Amen. I'm even going to go one step further. Then I think you need to go to each other and you need to consider him and you need to think about him. Ask him, what's going on with you? What are you struggling with? And then I think we need to learn how to walk with each other. I want you to walk with me. I may need to lean on you sometime. I may need a shoulder to cry on. I may need somebody to stir me up. So may you too. You know why? It's getting dark. So much more as the day is approaching.